Brendan O'Connor on RTE Radio 1, sponsored by Timber Living Log Cabins. For your perfect workspace, living space or hideaway, timberliving.ie. Brendan O'Connor on RTE Radio 1. Welcome back. And yes, as loads of people have texted in, the Beatles were famously turned down by Decca. Nothing to do with them, um, with Tony King at all. He was only a kid at the time. Uh, okay, time now to have a look at what's on our big and small screens this week. And we're joined today by Business Post film critic John McGuire and writer Henrietta McCurvey. Good afternoon, guys. Good afternoon, Hello. Brendan. How are you doing? John, I don't think anyone had really heard of Women Talking before yeah. it was suddenly then nominated for Best Picture at the Oscars. And it's in cinemas now. Uh, it's in cinemas from Friday, Brendan. It was perhaps a surprise addition to this year's Best Picture list of the Academy Awards. This is writer and director Sarah Polly's Women's Talk, Women Talking. It might not have stirred the same kind of Oscar buzz as its fellow nominees, but it would be a shame to overlook a project like this based on the buzz alone or the levels of hype. It's a small film with a massive impact. And it's crafted with a very firm but very tender touch by Polly, who's a superb filmmaker. Okay. And she's also nominated for Best Adapted Screenplay for retelling Miriam Tao's 2018 book of the same name, which is based on a real-life story. It's a harrowing story set in an ultra-conservative Mennonite community, a religious community in Bolivia, where the women aren't allowed to learn to read or write. They wear a plain dress. There's no electricity or machinery and very little contact with the outside world. And it follows eight main characters, uh, played by Rooney Mara, uh, Claire Foy, Jesse Buckley, uh, Sheila McCarthy, Judith Ivey, Kate Hallett, Liv McNeil and Michelle McLeod. Now, that's just a list of names. But together they sit in a hay barn and they discuss the things that have happened to them as a group of women. Are they playing Bolivian? No, there are. um, Well, there would have been, you know, uh, a Mennonite community probably somewhere in North America or or Canada that would have transplanted themselves. They would have been given land. There's actually upwards of 200 of these communities in Bolivia and all over South America. Okay. But anyway, after years of being told that they're told that their unexplained injuries and bruises and nightmares were the results of accidents or the work of the devil. These women have discovered that many of the colony's men have been tranquilizing them in their sleep and sexually assaulting them. And this has come out. One of them was caught. The whole story came out. And these women have to sit in a room and decide whether they stay or whether they go. And it's a day-long discussion. It takes place over the course of about eight hours. There's one man in it, uh, played by Ben Wishaw. His name is August, and he's there to take the minutes. And I'm not going to say much more than that about it. It it is a really difficult film at times to watch. But it's the quality of the performances, the quality of the writing and the quality of the direction are all really way above par. It's a superb film. It has these questions. Do they escape the only world that they've ever known? Remember, they've never seen a map of the world. They don't know they're in Bolivia. They don't know how to read or write. What do they do? And it's it's the truth of it that comes out very quickly over the course uh, of Polly's direction. It's really, really an excellent film. Okay, so that's Women women Talking talking from Friday, rated 15A. Okay, Henrietta, a, a bit of TV. So, Your Honour, it was on No TV at Sky originally. It's coming back now for a second season, but it's on Paramount+. Plus. Uh, let's avoid any spoilers for season one. Is it worth a watch? It is worth a watch. Um, I do think you would have to have seen season one, and it's quite hard to talk about without the spoilers. Okay. So season one opens with Brian Cranston, who plays a judge called Michael Desiato, and season one opens with his son being involved in a hit and run where he kills the son of the local mafia boss. 
So when Brian Cranston's character realizes the boy who's dead is the son of the mafia boss, he wants his own son to get not to say nothing to the okay, police. Okay, so he's so that's the premise. Uh, cast into this kind of moral quagmire. Exactly, which right. you know we know he can do that. We've seen him do that a lot. <laughs> yes, that's yeah. his thing. Um, so in season two, he everything has gone horribly wrong. Um, it opens with Careful, him, yeah, yeah, yeah. It opens with him in a very difficult situation, um, and we only know the time has passed because he is a beard and hair like Tom Hanks in Castaway. Which was quite useful because season two, there's a lot of time shifts and flashbacks and things that occurred after the end of season one that we didn't see. So the beard okay. and the hair, I found quite a useful <laughs> reference to tell and me is where we were. season one on, on uh, Paramount Plus now or is it still somewhere there on now? I think it's still somewhere on now. Okay, yeah, grand. yeah. But I would say you definitely have to have seen season one for this to make any sense at all. Okay, but it is worth... It is worth the watch. Yeah. A lot okay. of complex subplots. Yeah. Uh, John, back to the cinema. Um yeah. EO, or should I say EO? EO, yeah, that's what it said. Onomatopoeia. I'm not going to do it. (laughs) Onomatopoeia. Now, we've gotten used to seeing donkeys in the movies. We had poor Jenny the donkey in The Banshees of Inisherin and her terrible fate. No spoilers. No spoilers. But no sooner have our tears dried on our cheeks (laughs) than the veteran Polish filmmaker Jerzy Skolomowski brings us EO, the story of a little donkey's zigzag journey over the mountains of Poland into Italy uh, to escape from the circus. It's what? Shrek. Uh, you know, it's a little smarter than that. Uh, is this an adult film? A donkey yes, on a road it is, trip? It is a donkey on a road trip and it is very much an adult film. And okay. And it's for is kids it a talking well. donkey? I mean, no, the donkey does <laughs> okay, not talk. Okay. The donkey does Mr. not talk. Mr. Eel. Yeah. Uh, it's titled after the approximation that the animal that sounds makes, but it's really, its heart is inspired by Robert Bresson's 1966 masterpiece, humanist masterpiece, O Hazard Balthazar, which is a f- basically the same kind of film. It follows the course of a donkey's life. Uh, you know, but we're not, it, we see the film really from the donkey's point of view and we experience the world from, you know, four and a half feet off the ground. But it's really not about that. It's really about everybody that he meets and the way that he is treated. And the film is about how do we treat the natural world? What are we doing to the animals in it? What are we doing to the landscape? What are we as humans doing to make it better? And uh, it's really quite harrowing, but it's also very entertaining. And it sounds like you say your first reaction was it sounds like Shrek. In synopsis, it sounds like a kid's movie, but it's not. Or a cartoon. It's a serious and considered drama about vanity and stupidity, human vanity and stupidity. And that attempt to capture the sense of the world that we live, that we all share with living creatures. And you worry for this little tiny animal and the trials that it must endure. But you come out worrying more about us and what we're doing. Uh, and it's okay. really superb. And also, it's up uh, for an Oscar. It's nominated against uh, on Colleen Kuhn for Best International Feature. And it's, you know, a hot contender in that category. It's lovely. A lovely, lovely film. And okay. it's, again, rated 15A. It does get a bit dark. Uh, and it's in selected cinemas. You'll find it in selected cinemas. OK, so, Henry. <laughs> OK, we've had the world as seen through the eyes of a donkey. Uh, and obviously, it's a serious film. I refuse to believe that Gunther's millions about a dog who's basically independently wealthy. This is a, this, they're saying it's the new Tiger King. This, yeah. this is a real thing, yes? A multi-millionaire it's, dog. Yeah. It is a real thing. And of course, it turns out to be a sort of a con job. Like it's a tale okay. of excess and greed and fraud focusing on a guy called Maurizio Mian, who is the dog's minder. So Gunther, a millionaire, real estate tycoon. He loves caviar. He travels by private jet. He has 27 employees, including a chef, a PR 
and a spokesperson, Lee, who says, I wanted to be a tick on that dog's ass for the rest of my life because they're all having a fantastic time living it up with this The dog, dog. has a spokesperson? Yes, what the dog has a lot of staff. say on behalf bark, of the bark, dog? Bark, bark, <laughs> person, surely. Yeah. And the, dog, the dog likes water, so they buy a yacht. The dog likes pretty people, so they fill the house with women in who's bikinis. The, who, who is, who's channeling the dog's wishes here? You I, see, I, it's I, this I man. This is crucial to getting, the thinking about getting a dog. It's so, this man, uh, Maurizio, like this who was supposedly hired by a countess to oversee the fortune of the dog, which she left the dog. But of course, that's not actually what's going on. Maurizio is from a very wealthy family himself, but his money seems to have disappeared. And yet suddenly this dog, who we've managed for fantastic tax avoidance reasons, I was about to suddenly say, has pay tax, all yeah, this money. Yeah. But hang on, can a dog ha- can a dog own money like there's legally? A, there's a trust, there's a legal trust set up That's and neat. he is the beneficiary of this. But there are also all sorts of other arms like a real estate arm and we see them buying Madonna's old house in Miami and filling for, the swimming for pool. For the dog? For the dog, yes, yeah. I mean, the dog... How long did they get away with this? Don't, we're they don't they keep replacing away. the dog. They're on now like <laughs> dog right. number six or something. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> we think you think if the dog was actually deciding what was going on, so they'd be I, chewing I, bones and sleeping on windowsills. So like each dog, sorry, no, each dog, is it a descendant of Gunter? Gunter is like, inher- they're inheriting it from no, Gunter? No, they get as close they, a possible replica of the dog. So they were that pretending they that Gunter was the same dog all the time? Um, no, they're now on, I think it's dog Gunter number six, I think now. Yep. So, but not related to Gunter number four or whatever, but still can be the beneficiary yep. of the trust. So yep. it's some lucky dog out there. Some very... I don't know if they have dog auditions. That's the programme <laughs> I'd like to see. Where they, <laughs> they say, how they find out, do these dogs like to sit in swimming pools full of women in bikinis? Yeah, yeah. What is, <laughs> what is Gunter number five trying to say to us? Oh, yes, <laughs> yeah. he's saying we yeah, should. Buy more yeah. Yeah. This is yeah. a one hour documentary in a four hour show, basically. OK, yeah, it's yeah. As so often on Netflix. Fair, absolutely, yeah. yeah. It sounds watchable on a... It's very entertaining and it has the sort of dark, there's a sort of cult side to it too. Like there's a whole lot of very strange things going on. All the people who were living in the house with the dog were getting filmed and recorded and there was meant to be some big social experiment going on. But it was less Sigmund Freud and more Jim Jones. Yeah, it's... Layers to this. Yeah, Uh, it's interesting. uh, Okay, and that is on Netflix now? Yes, it started on the first, yeah. Uh, John, um... Skinnamarink. Skinnamarink, yeah. Which we can we can see in the lighthouse, but it's also on streaming, I think. Very yeah, scary. streaming on Shudder, the horror specialist uh, streaming site, but you can see it in the lighthouse. Is there another just... streamer? Yeah, I of course, yeah, Shudder, yeah. yeah. They just do horror movies. This is the and lighthouse cinema here in Dublin. a monthly subscription, is it? A monthly subscription, I think it's 6 I'm not sure. I, I'm not a customer, but uh, okay. uh, you'll see it in the lighthouse cinema and you'll see it in the Palau cinema in Galway as well. This is a, an out-of-season horror film reminiscent, I suppose, of the Blair Witch Project. It's a found footage chiller. It's one one of those found footage movies where they, you know, approximate what CCTV might have looked like. And it's basically two kids who wake up in the middle of the night to discover that they can't find their father and that the windows and doors and other objects in the house are disappearing, reappearing, turning upside down. And there's a strange presence haunting the place, perhaps the ghost of their late mother, and the kids try to escape, but the house won't let them. And that's it, really, in a nutshell. It's a very creepy premise. And it was shot, I think this is probably the most notable thing about it, is that it was made for $15,000 in the house that the writer and director, a guy called Kyle Edward Ball, he made it in the house that he grew up in. And it's the very definition of a low-budget film. But it's caught the attention of horror fans who've done most of the marketing themselves through word of mouth and social media. And it was initially made for Ball's YouTube channel. 
And then it was released in cinemas in the US and it made about three and a half or four million dollars on its release in the US. And now it makes its way over here. Uh, And very scary stuff. I mean, it's the stuff of actual nightmares. It's based on, he put a call out, the writer and director put a call out for people to tell their childhood nightmares, nightmares that they had as children that they still remember. And this was one of them that uh, they would wake up and everybody would be missing and the house would start you know, trying to not let them out and try moving things around, which is a very scary premise because it has that really yeah, truth. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Skin it's called. And it's okay. a bit of a word of mouth kind of viral film. But I, like The Blair Witch, it, it's very similar and uh, has the same kind of effect. It's really, really very effective. OK, um, Henrietta, um, just briefly, because like it's too late for people to catch up, but just to mark it, Happy Valley wrapping up tonight on BBC One at nine o'clock. There are people who will say this is a, one of the greatest television shows ever It made. absolutely is. Like I had a conversation on the street with my neighbour about this the other day. I've heard people talking about it all the time. People on Twitter discussing which of the possible endings are they going to go for. Just at the, at the beginning of this, it looked like Sergeant Catherine Kaywood might be about to have a happy ending because she was about to retire and then of course it's all kicked off her arch nemesis Tommy Lee Royce has escaped from prison he's after her grandson his son it's fantastic and it's okay. can't wait so to see what happens can find any way of catching up with that but anyway the final one ever yep. tonight and finally John your favourite show back on Channel <laughs> 4 tonight, 7.45. I know, yeah. Well, it's back, but it's, we will actually see episode four tonight. It's been on for a couple of weeks. Quarter to oh, okay. eight on Channel 4. There's another eight amateur potters competing for the trophy by performing a series of increasingly difficult tasks, fashioning lumps of clay into beautiful objects. Siobhan McSweeney is back at the host. Expert judges Keith Brimner-Jones and Rich Miller are running the ruler over their efforts. I love this thing. I just absolutely love it. Brimner Could I catch Jones, up now if I was a Oh, yeah, you catch tonight, up on yeah. all four, no problem. You can Oh, yeah, of course. All of the yeah, episodes yeah. are there. No, I just, um, I'm not going to catch previous ones. Could I, could I jump, jump in tonight? In. Yeah, of yeah. course. Yeah. Uh, Brunner Jones, pottery. I've noticed, is shedding fewer tears this year, at least so far. But it's the hour of peace and quiet that the show offers. That's its greatest assets. It's the combination of creativity, competition, connectedness, the obvious affection that the potters have for one another, uh, and the encouragement of the judges and the host. For me, it's a potent combination. <laughs> I don't know, maybe I'm very vulnerable. It's a long way from skink and marink. You clearly is, are. I'm but worried the first you. weekend yeah. of February when we're all a bit tired okay. you know it's just okay. absolute joy on, on a Sunday evening I love it Okay um, th- that's uh, all we have time for there John McGuire and Henrietta McCurvey thank you very much we'll take a break Email brendan at rte.ie 